All right, peeps, on today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering all sorts of hot nonsense from YouTube. Lots of gems, lots of liars, cutthroats, cowards, and hypocrites. Lots of, hey, yo, man, just because you got your Wing Chun tramp stamp don't mean you efficient, homie. Let's get to it. Every day, I practice martial arts. Yo, Dre, how you doing, man? I'm not good. <laughs> Is that good? Well, we're coming out of the gate nice and hot, man. Hey, we don't have any Phil Collins or Genesis stuff going what on this happening? time. I don't know. You know what it is? What? So we, we have to kind of let our audience know a little bit about the workflow at the Kung Fu Genius Podcast, all right? So, so back in the day, okay. we used to record Mondays. And we yes. would record Mondays at like a normal time in the middle of the day. Like, yeah, true. Yeah, like, what, one, two o'clock, something yeah. like, like in the middle of the day. Some so, so rational we, time. Yeah, rational time, yeah. right? We were not like overly tired mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, it's in the middle of the day, yeah, so we, we're awake, we're we ready to go. We just eased ourselves into yeah. the recording. Yeah. And now, like, for the last few months, mm -hmm. we uh, moved everything up here to the fifth floor. Mm -hmm. And uh, because of your schedule. Yes, you, Dre. Yeah, Diva, the real star of the podcast, all right? Don't, uh, don't can't, can't come on Mondays anymore and no. can only come on Saturdays. Lisa Hiba right? gonna die? Yeah, hey, 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 hey. Hey, hey, no hey, Jar Jar Binks here, okay? <laughs> come right? on. So take it easy, all right? And so we have to record now on Saturdays. But Saturday is kind of a banger day at City Wing Chun Ooh, where we yeah. got all these different classes. The instructor class starts at 11, yeah. but I usually have an online private student at 10, mm -hmm. which means we got to record before 10. Before but 10. you also need to get your damn training in, all right? Because you can't come to the regular class because you're so special. Like so, so I have to get special. up early and teach you a private lesson at the ass crack of dawn <laughs> on Saturday, all right? I get up early. You know what's Why crazy? Is it all Saturday, on me? Saturday is normally the day where you sleep in late. Saturday is the one day where I gotta get up early like an asshole. All right? I gotta get up early too. Okay. Your, your earliness means that sometimes I don't even go home. I'm here before you because I slept here. That's Think right. Think about that. Yes. So I get here early to teach you, all right? Wow. Things you should already know. Yeah. All right? <laughs> then. <laughs> That's the best part. That's then the best part. You like we do. Yeah, remember that thing I corrected a hundred thousand times yeah. on you. Yeah, you yeah. still need to do it That's that way. I corrected part, it, yeah. and then we record the podcast right. and try to get it all done before ten, so I can do my first online lesson, mm -hmm. and then I do my instructor class at eleven, and then right. I do the big recap class at twelve, mm. and then sometimes I have a private lesson after that. But yeah. also we got a little behind on episodes. There was a time when we were like 10 episodes ahead and we're like, ah, we're good, yeah, we're right. good. So awesome. And now we are, um, like most New Yorkers, living paycheck to paycheck. We are <laughs> okay. doing episode to episode, episode to week episode. to week, yes. right? So yes. we are up to date, but I don't like this because if something comes up, you can't make it, something goes on, you know, we're, we got to scramble to like get I that episode. I can't make it November yeah. 5th. Yeah, because this is the only day you can come. So basically, you are totally making our lives difficult for us, all right? Yes, you, not you. us. Why is it for you. me? Okay. You. So, Blame being pointed so at. we decided, you know, let's, yeah, let's go ahead and, let's go ahead and, uh, you know, maybe do Yo, two episodes. Why does today? Mikey Dean look really, like, really look like Michael McDonald right now? Is oh, it I thought like, you were going to say Paddington me? Bear. 
<laughs> All right, I'm like, I don't know. It's well, just, it's just the try. I am with the rain over here on my own. Yes, the galoshes. All right. So own. we decided today to record two episodes. Okay. Which means that we've been at City Wing Chun <laughs> for a very long time. Oh goddamn! And we did that beardy, uh, beardy's Bruce Lee bullshit yeah. this morning, which was, was high energy. And then now the I've rails. since taught about four hours of fist fighting. Yes. All right. Pugilism. <laughs> stuffed a lunch in my face. Gave True. a tutorial on Canva. True. And now here we are again for the second episode. So we're at that point of the day. We're like delirium. We're, we're a little bit delirious. <laughs> all right. It's like, I feel like I, yeah. I'm never going to leave City Wing Chun <laughs> and not in a good way. All oh, right. No. <laughs> so anyway, here we are for another Ask Me Anything episode. What yes, you yes. got for me, Drake? I got the banger coming out the gate. The banger coming out the gate. JKD Merit Master Group. This is a whole group. It's a whole group, but Throwing it's one a question person. It's one you. person. Huh. It's a dude from Boston. Okay. All right. Cousins okay. with Joe Lozon, the, uh, the UFC fighter. But he's a, he's a JKD and Wing Chun enthusiast, and I would say he's probably our top commenter. He's an instructor. He's like big into JKD, Wing Chun. He's got lots of comments, lots of cool questions. Mm -hmm. He's like the number, every time a video comes out, I get like my, my, I had to turn the notifications (laughs) off on my phone just because of the number of comments he's on there, right? (laughs) All right. And he's always got these great comments, great questions. Shout out to the JKD Merit. Absolutely. Let's do it. Okay. Here's, okay. He literally says, okay, here's my question today. There we go. Alex, what is the most common misconception about Wing Chun? Wow. The one you hear the most, it's disgusting at type of thing. Uh, wow, that's difficult because uh, on a daily basis, yeah. you know, when I'm on Instagram, when I'm on the gram. You're on the gram. You know, my Kung Fu Genius Instagram at mm-hmm. the Kung Fu Genius is curated mainly for just Wing Chun stuff, right? And BJJ stuff and martial arts stuff in general. So I get lots of like, you know, the reels that get suggested to me, like all the cool martial arts, mm-hmm. acrobatic stuff, and then the Wing Chun stuff or whatever, right? And most of what I see about Wing Chun, uh, at least it's, it, as it's presented on Instagram, is either uh, what I would just dub kind of harmless, doesn't rock the boat well i you know i watch it with a very kind of neutral like i you know i don't go mm-hmm. when i see wing chun stuff that is not like in line with the way i do it or present it i think unlike some other wing chun people i don't get my panties in a twist and then have to go make a video we're, we're about panties? yes okay. um a couple sizes too small so oh, okay. it's not easy to twist them oh man uh you know when i when i see stuff i don't like i don't decide oh i need to make a video just trashing this thing because i'm so emotionally triggered because people out there don't do wing chun according to the way i think it should be done right okay. uh i'm okay. I, I've, I don't care how other people do Wing Chun. If they're happy and it brings them joy, man, whatever. That's fine, yeah. you know? I have my opinions about what I think Wing Chun should be like or how it should be taught or whatever, uh-huh. and people are under absolutely no obligation to agree with me. That's totally fine. So that's how I do it, and the way you do it is fine. You don't need to convince me of your way. I'm not going to convince you of mine. We can have a, we can have a discussion, and agreement does, is not a, um, a requirement mm-hmm. to have discussion. People always think that if we don't agree on things in the exact same way in Wing Chun, for example, that we can't have a discussion. I go, well, then what's the point of having a discussion? If you only want to silo yourself to discuss 
okay. Wing Chun with people who have the same exact opinion as you. That basically would mean you're only talking to your own students. Agree to disagree. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, we can, and you can discuss things yeah. and look at things from a different perspective. And at the end of the discussion, you don't have to be swayed mm-hmm. or you don't have to uh, double down. You can just converse and it's fine. Like, you, you, you know, sometimes I have conversations with people from other Wing Chun lineages and they say some stuff that like either I, I think it's either factually inaccurate, like historical stuff, or uh, they might say things in terms of like what they think is good in terms of the training method. And I don't agree with it, but uh, my job is not to correct them. I just what what I think the, the problem Wing Chun people have, especially Wing Chun talking heads is the moment they see something that is not in line with their presentation of Wing Chun, which is their narrow, limited view, they immediately get triggered as if somehow it's their job to correct this person, all right? And the thing is, social media doesn't work that way. Oh, if, no. you, if, you, if you think that by calling someone out because you think Bong Sao should be done this way or Tan Sao should be done this way, um, that, you're go- that they're gonna be swayed to your opinion, Uh, I got something coming for you because people are either going to double down, all right, or they're going to take it personally or they're just going to attack you. And the last thing that ever gets discussed is the substance of the actual argument, right? Like I posted a reel the other day about right and wrong bong sao, but that's right and wrong bong sao within the context of WT, Wing Chun, the Learning Tank system. That's not to say another style of Wing Chun that does it, if they do it that way, that's totally fine. I'm just saying within my lineage, this is how we present it, right? All right. And, uh, and then give some kind of idea of how, you know, maybe a better way according to what I think it's, right? But that it doesn't bother me if someone goes, well, actually, I do, wing, I do the bong sao the way you said was wrong. You know what I mean? My, I'm, not, I'm not trying to correct you. And if someone makes a video where they show our way of doing bong sao is wrong because of X, Y, Z, the last thing I can do is get upset and have to make a video to counter that. It's like, uh, I, I think people, they, they put too much stock in dissenting opinions, somehow living in the minds of people and needing to be corrected because if people see videos about opinions that are different from yours, they're somehow ruining what people think about you, right? And mm-hmm. this is like, people just need to give way less of a fuck about this stuff. Um, but back to the question, all right? What, what, what is a misconception about Wing Chun that kind of drives me nuts? Well, there's a lot of them, and it also depends on who you're talking to or what, what the particular context is. But I think in general, uh, one of the misconceptions is that uh, because Wing Chun is a martial art that uh, focuses on simple, direct action. So it's an efficient martial art, right? We're not doing big movements or wasted actions or anything like that. Uh, simultaneous offense and defense, which mm-hmm. is supposed to kind of make you functionally faster. And, you know, ideas like the center line. So, you know, occupying the shortest distance between you and your opponent. All of these things which are logical, which are efficient, which make sense. Many Wing Chun people think that just by virtue of practicing Wing Chun, that those attributes are automatically going to stick onto them like glue. Oh. Like the moment you put on a Wing Chun shirt, and you start learning how to throw a straight punch. Well, now you're so much more efficient than any boxer ever was, right? <laughs> and so I think the problem is that they think, one, that some of the things that make Wing Chun quote-unquote unique, uh, a lot of linear movements, uh, focus on center line, um, efficient simultaneous offense and defense, 
are actually present in other martial arts. Sometimes it might look a little bit differently the way it's done in other martial arts, but yeah. Wing Chun is not the only style that does simultaneous offense and defense. It's not even the only Kung Fu style that does that. Not to mention, not, other martial arts also do it as well, non-Chinese martial arts. It's not the only martial art, and this pisses Wing Chun people off. Wing Chun is not the only martial art that discovered the straight line, okay? <laughs> there are other martial arts out there that fully understand the virtue of a straight line punch. Okay? How dare you? Yeah. So I th the big thing that bothers me is like, look, there's a lot of unique features of Wing Chun uh, in the way it's packaged together. But some of the characteristics of those features are not at all unique, okay? Mm -hmm. And just by virtue of practicing Wing Chun doesn't mean now that because I do Wing Chun that you are now the most, if you, that you move in the most efficient way, that you have real combat mastery of simultaneous offense and defense, that you can flawlessly follow the logic and principles of this very straightforward martial art. So I think Wing Chun people, I'm not just going to speak about Wing Chun people. I mean, I'm sure similar issues happen in some other martial arts, but Wing Chun people seem to rely on all of these great sounding tropes about okay. efficiency, efficiency, straight line, simultaneous offense and defense, principle-based rather than technique-based martial art. All of these platitudes that sound really great, but the thing is if you do not train your ass off to actually be able to apply this against a resisting opponent, it's just empty platitudes. Mm -hmm. And you know, saying things like, you know, people will go, yeah, in Wing Chun, we have Okay, and if you can't apply it, you're just saying a bunch of Chinese words and thinking <laughs> that that gives you wisdom, imbibes wisdom in yeah. you, all right? Because you can say it, all right, chase the body, don't chase the hands. Great. Can you actually do that in sparring? Or is it just a nice sounding platitude that you use to impress your students or to impress other people to make it seem like, oh, Wing Chun, we don't chase the body, we chase the hands. Great. So let's put the gloves on and let's work that because that's what makes Wing Chun awesome. I just don't want to hear it. Mm -hmm. Or the fact that you think you do Wing Chun and you heard that saying now that that somehow means you can do it. Jiu-Jitsu also really has fantastic theory, mm -hmm. like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, right? Okay. Uh, think about the combat theory of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. You have to close the gap to get past the dangerous striking tools, the punches and kicks of your opponent. You have to close the gap without getting any damage. You have to clinch your opponent. You have to find the opportunity to take them to the ground, to use position before submission make the person kind of wear themselves out trying to fight against you in a good position and then when they make a mistake they push they they, they do common things turn their back you put them in a choke you put them in an armbar there's a there's a logic to it okay but knowing that doesn't mean you can do it you understand <laughs> what i'm saying like like God. so so you can learn that as a brazilian jiu-jitsu student and then what is your brazilian jiu-jitsu training all about being able to make those words match what you can actually do through the hard work and training. And I find that Wing Chun people, they're like, it's like learning that template of like Wing Chun is simultaneous offense and defense. Either you shut the person down with a very quick action right away, or if you're a little bit late, you have to take an angle to avoid you simultaneous action and try to shut the person down with very fast, adductive strikes, elbows, knees, maybe a, a quick takedown, something like that, right? There's a template and a strategy, but knowing that, 
or being able to say all of the Chinese sayings or whatever, it doesn't mean you can do it. And I think that a lot of Wing Chun hobbyists think that just by virtue of knowing these things, these nice sounding platitudes, that that means that they can also do it in a way that other martial arts who also have great theory understand that, no, you can only do it when you can do it in training. And I think Wing Chun people rely too much on nice sounding platitudes in place of hard training. Hmm. So yeah, that's probably one of the misconceptions wow. that drives me nuts. Hey Kung Fu Genius listeners, are you a fan of Wing Chun Kung Fu? Well, if you listen to me, I assume you are. I got great news for KFG fans. Right now you can get an all access one month free trial subscription to Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. Yes, I said free. Go to wcinewsstand.com and register in the upper right hand corner, fill out your email and password and use the code KFG trial to get your free trial to all the issues from 2011 to the current issue. That's right all the issues, even the one with this cool guy on the cover. That's me for those of you listening to us on audio. My Kung Fu Genius column is also in all the new issues as if you needed another reason to get this awesome magazine. Go get your free trial subscription today. For all that information, check out the description below. And now back to me. Wow. All right, what else we got? Awesome, awesome, awesome sauce. I know, I was there. <laughs> Next. Hey. It was, pretty, it was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Yeah. Next up, we got Andrew Lin. Mm -hmm. Okay. Guy. Yeah. Why you, you always got... let that guy in? Yeah. Why are right? you letting that guy in? It's, it's like cool you're giving guy. him. You're always giving him like a free ticket to get a question, and just because he like I don't know edits our episodes. Well, he makes me look good. Yeah. But what has he done well, for you he does what he can do. I don't know if he makes you look good. He does the best with yeah. what he's working with. Well, he's working with. So, I've actually, he's not working with much. Yeah, I'll tell you. I've that seen much. his workflow, so let's let's not give him too much credit. I love you, Andrew. Lots. I've heard some say that Wing Chun is only effective for people with certain attributes, personality types. Do you think there is some truth to this? Or can Wing Chun be adapted to anybody when talking about practical fighting applications specifically? Uh, Bam! Yeah. Those are these kind of somewhat general sounding questions that require super specific <laughs> answers. Uh, for, that's difficult to answer, all right? Because physical attributes of a person, obviously there's certain martial arts that will appeal to different ty body types, okay? okay? So for example, if someone practices Taekwondo, which is a very kick heavy martial art, if they had long legs, you know, uh, lots of range, maybe a little more in the lanky CJ side. did. Taekwondo. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so, wow. so you imagine that out. someone like with long legs, yeah. lanky, so that they, they don't have a lot of weight on their legs so they can lift those kicks really quickly and really fast and use mm -hmm. range and distance. They would be really suited to, for example, to do Taekwondo. But what if that person with really rangy, skinny legs liked boxing? Okay. Or what if they liked jujitsu? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, I mean, the thing is, like, someone might have the perfect body for a certain type. You know, wrestlers and jiu-jitsu types might have a certain body type, although anyone can do jiu-jitsu, anyone can wrestle. And there are plenty of examples of people who do jiu-jitsu who are tall and lanky and short and stocky and right. everything in between, right? But, you know, when you have, like, a certain idea of, like, kind of more muscled dude being, like, high-level jiu-jitsu guy um, and, you know, a wrestler looking like a thumb and mm -hmm. a taekwondo guy being kind of rangy and a boxer being, like, you know, built a certain way or whatever, um, you can say those body types are best suited for those arts. But then the X factor is, yeah, but what does the person like? Okay? You might have the perfect body for 
martial art A, but you really like martial art B. Mm-hmm. So then what? All right. Are you not going to enjoy this martial art because you have a better body type for another one? I think these, these things are never really selected that way. When, you, when people select the martial art, they select it based on the thing that sings to them. You, you walk into a jiu-jitsu uh, school and you see people rolling around in the gi or the no gi and like all that. There's like an appeal to that. And you like that and you're like, yeah, I want mm-hmm. this. You join that. And I don't think you really go, but you know, uh, I have kind of short legs and I don't even know if I can do a proper triangle choke because of my hip mobility. You're like, no, man, I like jiu-jitsu. I want to do jiu-jitsu. So you do it. Yeah. All right. You have, uh, um, you know, maybe... Uh, a certain body type uh, and which would be suited for like, I don't know, judo or something or boxing or whatever. And then you like Wing Chun. Well, what are you going to do? I mean, like you're only on this world for a very short time. Okay. You know, I mentioned before, if you live 76 (laughs) years of age, that's 4,000 weeks of life. 4,000 weeks. Damn, dude. Okay. I did the calculation. I'm turning 45. That was like, 2,300 something weeks. So I'm already, I'm already on the yeah. 1,700 uh, weeks left of those 4,000. Okay. Damn. All right. Think yeah, of it. No, it's an extra an, weeks. It's an important, it's an important, it's not morbid. It's an important experiment to go through. You go like, I mean, if you could map out what 4,000 bars look like, right? And you think those are all the weeks you have and you look at where you are, you think of life differently. And I think it's important to do that because I think people are always keeping themselves super busy, trying to delay the inevitable and realizing all the stuff you're doing now because you think you're prepping for some future that's never going to come. No, the only thing you have is now and you need to do that. And uh, if a martial arts sings to you and you are the wrong body type for it, Hmm. who the cares? Hmm. Just do it. All right. Just be happy and do what you want, all right? So there are definitely people who have certain attributes who will probably do better in Wing Chun than others. You know, there has to be like a Venn diagram of like having a certain amount of range or body type with a certain amount of tendon ligament strength uh, plus a certain aptitude for this type of fighting, feeling being a, a certain amount of aggression. If you're not aggressive enough, you may not have really good Wing Chun. If you're too aggressive, you might not have good Wing Chun. So, I mean, the problem is like there's all these things for the perfect Wing Chun fighter, but who's going to be the perfect Wing Chun fighter? And if you do not have all of these things lining up to be a perfect Wing Chun fighter, but you love Wing Chun, are you going to stop doing Wing Chun? Okay. You, you, you see what see, I mean? Like, like imagine like boxing was your thing, but you got two T-Rex arms. <laughs> okay? No range. All right, no range. Damn. All right, you have bad head movement. Damn. You don't have really good hand-eye coordination, but you just love boxing. Okay. Yeah. Are you going to be a high-level boxer? No. Are you even going to compete? Probably not. Mm-hmm. But what if you just love to go in and do shadow boxing and hit mitts and learn about boxing and, get, and learn everything about boxing? Should you not do boxing because you don't have the perfect body type? I got news for you. Most of us are not really that exceptional at anything. All right. Okay. We're not as great as we think we are at anything, <laughs> at all right? Anything. As much as we think we're great at something, all right? <laughs> okay. There are people out there who are so much better in every aspect of literally everything we do in our lives. But you only got your 4,000 weeks, and many people have way less than that. So who cares, all right? It's, it's the old swimmer's body fallacy that's also part of this issue as well. Uh, which is a separate issue from what I just talked about. Like, well, even if you're not the right body type, who cares? But there's also uh, something called the swimmer's body uh, fallacy, which is a really interesting thing. 
So uh, he, here's the basic breakdown of how it works. But um, once I give you the breakdown, you can actually see how this could be applied across multiple disciplines and multiple different subjects and things like that. People look at, let's say a guy, a guy wants to get in shape. Mm -hmm. All right. And you know, they're, they're different body types, right? You got like the short stocky guy and the lean guy and, you know, the guy with like no body fat and then the guy with totally jacked and then you have everything in between. Right. And let's say for whatever reason, you look at the body type of a swimmer. All right. Long body, long torso, the long lats, like yeah. a bat, bat wings, you know, and you look at that body type and you go, wow. Tall. That's that's the body type that I want. Okay. You know, you want to be proportioned that way. So what do you do? You swim because you go swimmers have that body. So I'm going to swim. Ergo, I'm going to develop that type of body. But what you don't realize is that while doing that activity might develop your muscles more in a certain direction than let's say in another direction, the truth is actually not as rosy. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's not that swimming gives you a body like Michael Phelps. <laughs> it's that if you have a body like Michael Phelps, you excel in swimming. And that is a big difference. That's the swimmer's body fallacy, right? People go like, oh, I want wow. to do bodybuilding because right, I want to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but you don't have Arnold Schwarzenegger's genetics. You have chicken legs, all right? Yeah. No matter how much you lift, you're never going to gain because your genetics are just not primed for doing all this stuff, whether you take steroids or not, right? And uh, you would see that, yeah, maybe even if you did bodybuilding with the same routine that Arnold Schwarzenegger had, which I doubt you could do that anyway, <laughs> doesn't mean that the results are going to be the same. Because right. the people who excel in certain sports are usually genetically predisposed to excel in those sports. That's why when you look at the high-level performers of any sport, you don't see a lot of variation between them. If you look at all the high-level wrestlers in the Olympics in the various weight classes, mm -hmm. all the lightweights, all the heavyweights, if you looked at them across years, they all have the same body type. Wow. That's if you amazing. look at swimmers, same thing. It's fascinating. Right? If you look at powerlifters, if you look at gymnasts, okay? Yeah. So by doing those activities, you can definitely create muscles in a direction that makes you look more like that, that sport that you want. But the truth is, it's actually people who have those body types that are predisposed to develop in those directions are the ones who excel in those fields, not that training in those fields are going to give you that body type, right? So that's another aspect to, that can be tacked on to this question here that, you know, um, if you don't have the right quote-unquote body type for Wing Chun, which, I mean, anybody can learn Wing Chun, anyone can do Wing Chun. Uh, so I don't, I don't really know what that body type is. You have to learn to adapt it for yourself, right? Uh, we have a student here, Marlon. He's a technician. He's very skinny, mm -hmm. uh, rangy, and he has to train with a bunch of monsters, right? So he yeah. has to learn how to be really sticky with his chi sao because he can't really overwhelm someone. He's got, very, uh, he's got very thin arms. So he has to learn to be more technical, right? And he has to learn to stick and ride out, and he can't just go storming in. He's going to run into a punch. So he has to be a little bit more patient and ride it out and wait for his opportunity. So you, you also have to adapt the art to suit your body type, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think that there's just this idea that if you have a certain body type, you can perform Wing Chun in a certain way, and that's a way that's visually appealing. You know, maybe people look at like Sifu Amin, you know, six foot two, like 200 pounds at his yeah. peak, and like just this pure athletic kind of Wing Chun style. Yeah, but if you don't have Sifu Amin's body, does that mean you cannot do Wing Chun? Or that, or that you have to do Wing Chun the exact same way he did, right? So there are a lot of factors. It's basically impossible to answer a question like that.
All right. So what else you got for me? I got Fortnite Dad. Fortnite Dad. Awesome. Yeah. Is that a video game? Fortnite is a video game. Uh, Fortnite Dad may not be a video game. Oh, okay. All right. Hey, C4 Thanks Alex. Thanks for clarifying that, by the way. <laughs> Great <laughs> podcast. I really love it. I would like to know your views on breathing in WT systems. As far as I <laughs> understand, one of Wing Chun's concepts is economy in, of movement, and I assume breathing plays a role in that. Also, I have noticed in some Okinawan karate styles, they do their forms, kata, with deep breathing. Is there any breathing training within the WT system? Thanks, and keep up the amazing work. Triple thumbs up. Triple thumbs up. Wow, thank you. That's yeah. a great question. Um, breathing in relation to martial arts is very can be very complicated, or it can be very simple, depending on the presentation, right? So obviously, within many different traditions, you have uh, uh, within internal martial art traditions, external martial art traditions, All right. uh, yoga, you know, basically anything that schools movement there's they're usually the, the breath has to be addressed at some point usually the first step in any movement art whether it's martial arts or dance or whatever is simply to breathe all right as you know as a as, as an instructor it's like one of the big notes you give beginners all the time is hey keep breathing don't stop breathing hey don't forget to breathe right. you know my famous line i always say in class Hey, guys, don't forget to breathe. Mm. Breathing is life. All right? It's okay? <laughs> okay. Uh, because whenever you learn a new movement pattern and you're, you know, you're going, get going under a little stress trying to figure out these new movement patterns and then your amygdala tends to stress out and then you hold your breath. And you hold your breath because you're reserving those resources for figuring this out here. And it's like, do breathe, breathe, Damn. relax, breathe. All right? So usually the first hurdle of any movement art is just to get the student or the trainee or the practitioner to just continue breathing almost as normal, all right? Now, when I talk about breathing techniques, I think the moment you start talking about this stuff, there's always gonna be a bunch of people who disagree with you because within the Wing Chun lineages, there are some styles that emphasize very specific breathing or say you have to breathe exactly this way. And if I say it's, this is not really that important, they're going to say, well, it's because you don't know. Actually, you need to breathe like this and do this and do this. Huh. And uh, these things are all contextual to different lineages. And it all depends on what value does the Sifu hold in making this thing a big focus. All right. In my school, breathing has to be a natural and straightforward thing. Wing Chun can be practiced in a ballistic type way you know you you go from you know trying to calm the situation down to suddenly having to spring into Explosion. action yeah. potentially using multiple punches multiple strikes in a very short time so in that way wing chun can be done in a ballistic way wing chun can also be, be done in a non-ballistic way i mean you can just bar, you know the guy comes at you and you move out of the way and you just give him one punch you know i mean mm -hmm. it all depends on the situation right so you can do it in a really smooth way if the situation allows you to do so, or you're gonna have to get on your horse and start throwing hands and elbows, all right? And you have to get serious about it. All depends on who's standing in front of you and in what situation and in what mind state were you in when you got attacked, right? Oh, right. So, true, you, true. so, so a lot of people who say like, you should always breathe this way in fighting, usually are also the people who don't have a lot of experience with that, right? Because uh, you're not going to, when you're in that type of amygdala hijack, when someone is trying to murder your face with their fists, mm -hmm. decide, um, all right, I need to do the number nine set of breathing. 
one really slow inhale and then three fast exhales. Like, dude, shut up. The dude's about to punch you in the face and you got to do something right now, okay? And I, I think what, what people misinterpret are, for example, breathing te techniques would, which would be useful in meditation. Like if you're practicing something like mindfulness where you're intentionally trying to follow the breath but you're not actually breathing in a special way. You're just actually trying to follow the breath with your mind. Right. Then there are certain types of yogic breathing where they have fire breath and you're breathing faster and all this. And that's to create different effects in the body. And that could be useful for meditation or for other things, right? But we're talking about martial arts, all right? And I think that there's a lot of um, people who conflate like yogic and internal breathing practices with how you're supposed to breathe when you are under stress and somebody's trying to murder you, okay? The idea that you're gonna do your perfect pranic breathing when someone has a hammer in their hand and they're trying to murder you, yeah. uh, I, I think is kind of ridiculous. That goes out okay? the window. I think it's kind of ridiculous, right? Um, and yes, of course, it doesn't mean you can't strive to, to be able to breathe in those stressful situations in a special way if that's what your style advocates. But let's just take Wing Chun for example, all right? Yes, there are times where, you know, you might just slip out of the way and hit someone, do something simple, or just launch a kick, and that might be the end of the fight, right? Okay. And then there are other times where you're gonna have dream. to, like I said, get on your horse and, you know, mm -hmm. start throwing some hands. If you're in that position where you have to throw some hands and some punches and some elbows and you have to go, the most important thing is that you can just continue to breathe normally as much as possible under that type of stress. Um, because if you hold your breath, it's going to be problematic for you being able to transfer power and all that kind of stuff. Um, you might get away with it for a little bit, but ultimately you need to breathe, you know, right? So that you can calm down, bring your heart rate down a little bit, right? But that requires practice and that requires mindfulness in the middle of that type of situation, right? So in Wing Chun, the first step is to make sure the student is just breathing when they're practicing, mm -hmm. all right? For a ballistic style, we cannot do hard style breathing. We cannot do a ki. Oh, we yeah. cannot yell or shout with our movements because when you do a ballistic style, you're punching and hitting too fast. Yeah. It's one thing if you put all all of your effort into this one into one reverse punch, all of your effort into one straight punch. And you might go, ah, and you yell and you just, you let this emotion out or you scream or you kia or you channel your prana or your internal ki or yeah. chi or whatever you want to call it. And you put everything into that one punch and that, that scream, that, that exhale allows you to just channel and focus your power. Okay, great. But now you got to do five chain punches a second or four <laughs> chain punches right. a second. Ba, 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 ba. Followed by elbows and kicks. Breathe out on every strike. Yeah. Good luck. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's not going to happen, oh, right? Man. You can you can at best have kind of a, a stronger exhale for like every three punches, you know? Okay. But you cannot, <laughs> imagine breathing out every time you did a chain punch, you would hyperventilate, Dang. all right? So that's also the reason why when people look, at, like a Wing Chun person might talk to a karate guy and a karate guy says, look, when you strike, you have to channel everything in there and you have to ki and your spirit has to be, your, your warrior samurai spirit has to be in that one punch. And then the you know, newbie Wing Chun student goes, huh, seems like this is something we're not addressing in Wing Chun. I think we're missing something. Oh, no. Because they don't know. Because what the karate guy told them makes sense, right? Because it does make sense in that particular context. And I right. think what always gets lost in these conversations is context. Yeah. Breathing 
for what? Okay, breathing for training, breathing for developing power, breathing for doing your forms, or breathing when someone is trying to murder your face. Okay, what are we talking about here, right? And also Context. when it's a ballistic style, you cannot exhale with every strike you would hyperventilate. Jeez. So in, in WT, we folk, our, our relationship with the breath is very straightforward. First thing, get the students to breathe normally. When they're doing the siunam tau form, do not pay too much attention to whether you're inhaling or exhaling when you punch. Okay, just keep an even breathing rhythm, you know, try to inhale, especially during the form, as deep into your stomach as you can, all right? Call it the dantian, your diaphragm, whatever, or whatever, whatever chi buzzwords make you sound like you're doing something special, all right? Uh, you breathe words. in, yeah, because you know, people love, the Chinese martial artists love to throw these things around as if, like I told you before, Saying that you do a style with simultaneous offense and defense is not the same as actually being able to use simultaneous offense and defense. Saying that you breathe deep into your dantian to nurture your chi is, does not mean that somehow that chi that you're nurturing is going to mean a lick of shit when someone is trying to murder your face. Okay? <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, you know, when we face do the form, murderers. we breathe in as deeply as possible, inhaling, all right? The abdomen is going to... Uh, expand mm -hmm. like an accordion and then when you breathe out the abdomen contracts almost as if you're trying to get your stomach to touch your spine you breathe all of it out until there's nothing left you mm -hmm. breathe all the way in in through the nose nice and deep and then you breathe out when you're doing the form and you pay no attention as you might be inhaling when you launch the left punch you might be exhaling when you launch the right punch doesn't matter Okay. okay, because you're going to have to keep an even breathing rhythm whether your punch is going out or punch is going back you cannot time these things and um, that's kind of the first step. For the more senior students, we do something called yikfu cup. Yikfu cup is a reverse breathing. And this is a somewhat torturous uh, breathing method meant to kind of make the siyunam tau, let's just say, a little bit more arduous. There's a mental training aspect in there. Yeah. And that is well beyond the scope of this podcast to, yeah. uh, to explain. Oh, man. Um, but beyond the yikfu cup and the just normal, just breathe normally throughout the entire process, there's really not a whole lot special in terms of how we breathe, and uh, maybe there are some internal Wing Chun people who think that's maybe not very sophisticated, but I mean, look, when you put gloves on and you spar, that, that, the breathing you do there is the breathing that's important. When you're standing still doing your Siyunam Tao, you can have all the special types of breathing you want, super advanced, uh, no one knows this, super secret, only my Sifu can teach this and impart yeah. this, that's great. Put the gloves on. I'll put Arnell in front of you, and I want to see all yeah. that breathing stuff mean uh, anything. Yeah. Okay? So um, it's all a matter of, well, what value does that have? And let's not overvalue certain things or believe that certain types of breathing methods are going to turn you into something that you can't. You need to breathe. Breathing is life, and you need to find the best way to breathe doing whatever it is you're currently doing, whether you're moving ballistically or, you know, sometimes in Wing Chun, you even see demos in Hong Kong, even from our association, where Sifu Leung Ting will, ah, he'll, he'll kind of, ex he'll like almost, you know, uh, oh, wow. uh, just loudly exhale when he hits. But those are usually the demos where he gives one solid hit or one solid punch. Yeah. And there it makes sense. Then, and that done. way you can almost do it like a karate guy, right? If I'm going to, if I plan on knocking you back with one solid falling step punch or waist driven punch and I put a bah, maybe I'll also yell to like be done with it, right? Okay. But if I'm, if I don't think that that punch is going to knock you down and I know that I'm going to have to go in and chain punch an elbow and do this and that and blah, 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 then maybe I'm not going to scream everything on the first punch and I'm going to reserve 
the whole process for some normal breathing because I'm going to need to go in the long run, right? You really want to learn how to breathe when you're under stress, get a concept to rower, all right? Oh, wow. And then do sprints and do long haul stuff and then tell me the value of your super specific martial arts breathing when you're on that thing, all right? All right, what else you got for me? Wow. Next up, we got David Reynolds. David Reynolds in the house. I'm breathing right now. It's pretty cool. Good. Yeah, that's a good thing. Breathing is good. Breathing is fundamental. Said the disembodied voice. (laughs) Breathing is fun. (sighs) Demental. (laughs) Looks like a fun trip. You should check out where Frank Dukes had his super secret underground fights. Bloodsport. Best documentary ever. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Bloodsport. You know, if it is really based on a true story, it's essentially a documentary film. Yeah. uh, last week, uh, uh, I was homesick with my, da- with my daughter. We were both it's home. Probably because you wasn't breathing. Yes. And uh, we both stayed home. She was home from school. I was just kind of taking a day off. We were both totally wiped out on the couch. Uh-huh. And I was like, all right, our, you know, my oldest daughter, she was in school. So it was just me and the young one. Okay. And I'm like, you know, she's eight. And I'm like, I think it's time she saw Bloodsport. <gasps> so uh, I put the little one on the couch and I go, we're going to watch Bloodsport, okay? And she goes, yes. She's just like, yes. <laughs> what? And uh, so we start watching Bloodsport. She's heard about it for yes. years. And then she goes, wait, Frank Dukes? Because remember, my, we did a Frank Dukes episode. Yeah. And both my she daughters did the, did the uh, intro. Yeah. When they like, were like trashing Frank Dukes. And she was like, wait a minute. I thought Frank Dukes was kind of like some phony guy. Like, didn't, we, didn't you do an episode? Cause they did the intro for that oh episode, right? And I was like, yeah, but let me explain to you, all right? Uh-huh. The, the guy that Jean-Claude Van Damme is playing, Frank Dukes, all right? The story, he claimed it was true when he wrote it, but mm-hmm. none of it was true. But the movie Bloodsport is still good. Yeah. The only blemish on Bloodsport is when he gets on the plane at the end and then they have all those phony records about, you know, Frank Dukes' real-life exploits uh. or whatever. If you left that out of it, yeah. it's a... It's a perfect piece of 80s martial arts fiction. It's just perfect for the time and everything. Right. It's essentially an up, upgraded, updated version of Enter the Dragon with a little less intrigue or whatever, okay. right? And we're watching it, man. My youngest one, she's so whip smart. Of course, of course, all parents think their kids are the yeah. smartest, right? But mine is legit smart. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert for Bloodsport, all right? If you have not seen Bloodsport, uh, cover your ears for the next 20 seconds, all right? If you've not seen Bloodsport, never listen to our... Uh, yeah, if you haven't oh, seen Bloodsport, yeah. stop watching this podcast, watch Bloodsport, and then come back to this podcast. Please do. Uh, so, you know, when you see the main character, she sees Chong Lee Bolo, and Bolo is going to be in New Jersey next week. I'm going to go see him at the... Oh, we're all going to see him. The, I'm the there. Chill, you about the chiller yeah. thing, right? And so anyway, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, that's Bolo. He was in a movie with Bruce Lee. And like, oh, he's she's like, oh, he's the bad guy, right? And then she sees Frank Dukes and then Frank Dukes' buddy Jackson, right? And then we're watching and then she goes, I think Jackson is going to lose to Bolo and then Frank Dukes is going to have to get revenge. She said that like right, like after it was a joke, I was like, oh. Whoa, so either that shows how, how like introspective yeah. my daughter is or She's how ETD, or how silly yeah. ass the writing is <laughs> <laughs> that even an eight-year-old can figure out the plot right. of blood sport oh before it rolls goodness. on right it's probably that right <laughs> so anyway and then and then she got home and then of course her sister didn't have the chance to see blood sport she's like i watched blood sport with daddy right and then of course i'm wow. gonna have to show it to the the older one too right and then she goes she goes to her mom she goes um i watched blood sport with daddy Bloodsport is a really good movie. 
<laughs> and that was like a proud mo- dad moment. It was brought a tear to me. Eye. Yes. Uh, yeah, it was just so great, right? I bet the other one was pissed. Yeah, yeah she was a little salty, right? Uh, uh, it's okay. I'll watch Bloodsport with her. Okay. I mean, the thing is, I've also watched movies with her that the younger one wasn't there. So it's this uh, constant thing. When you have two right. kids and one is here, one is there, what are you going to do, yeah, right? What are you gonna do? So anyway, um, yeah, Bloodsport being the documentary film, right? <laughs> <laughs> of course, the real-life Frank Dukes, if you can even say such a thing, uh, claimed that the Kumite was not in Hong Kong. It was, like I think, in Bermuda or the Bahamas or something like that. But uh, they just made it Hong Kong for the, you know, for the screenplay or whatever, which was a very good choice. I think yeah. uh, Hong Kong is the setting for the Kumite. Was great. Even though it was Kumite with Japanese name, fighting in Hong Kong is really weird. But the thing is that... Uh, and so Dave talks about the upcoming Hong Kong trip, which I announced, which, by the way, if you guys are interested in coming to Hong Kong with me in 2023 in August. I'm interested. Yeah. The link is actually already below. It is live yeah. and people are already booking. I have a uh, we have three different packages. One is just the tour, the seven day tour. Just come with me and look at this stuff. Yeah. One is like the tour plus the training. I'm doing a seminar. There's also going to be an additional class, uh, most likely with Maxivu. And then like the the platinum package is you get all of that plus one private lesson with me but i only allow one private lesson because if i have a bunch of people book that i can't be teaching private lessons the whole time right you do a semi-private uh, no, the problem is time. No, the, the mm. problem is that whether I teach one person or two people, the problem is when am I going to find the time for that lesson? Right. So I only have five packages available. And uh, as of this, uh, the, the, the tour has been up for three days. Um, three of those packages are gone. There are only two more packages left where you can get a private lesson with me. The rest of, the rest of them are the gold package, which is, which is actually the, the one that most people should sign up for, yeah. right? So, so anyway... Um, uh, it's it's live. So in the link of this uh, episode, uh, mm-hmm. whether you're listening to us on audio or video, you can actually click the link to go to my website and uh, fill out the form to get information. But it is booking fast. It's not until next August, so there's plenty of time to get uh, tickets and hotel. The packages are for the tour only. Obviously, it doesn't include airfare or accommodations or meals. Um, it's just the hanging out with the Kung Fu Genius for seven days. And whether you just want to do the tour, you want to do the tour and training or whatever, um, all that stuff. There's plenty of information. When you sign up, you'll get a PDF, which has like all the information about the tour. And then like 15 minutes later, you'll get another PDF, which has all the links if you want to register. Uh, I I thought it was going to be a little slower in terms of people like booking it for next year and people already booking that thing like crazy. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going by pretty quick. So I wish I could do... What's the cap? uh, Well... I said 15. Yeah. But I have the sneaking suspicion it's going to be more. Because you're already at 15. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not at 15 yet. Uh, I mean, we just opened it three days ago. Yeah. And, and w- these episodes have, haven't come out at the time of, of, of me uh, releasing it to the public. Yeah. I think it's going to be more a thing like I'm probably just going to have to hire some locals to help me actually do the tour in Hong Kong. So we probably will have two groups. Not like one group will be with KFG and the other group will be with someone else. It's just I'm going to need other people to help me manage a larger group. That's it. All right. Obviously, the tour is still with me. Right. And uh, so we'll, we'll figure out a way to do it because I would like to bring 15 people. But I'll tell you, man, if 30 people sign up. Yeah. Then I'll make 30 people work and I'll still do it in a way that everyone feels like they get time and, and you know, they, they, we can hang out and it's yeah. fun. But, uh, but 30 would be the absolute max. But I'm looking <laughs> oh, for like 15, 20, something like that, yeah. right? So anyway, um, so yeah, it would be fun to do the Bloodsport tour of Hong Kong. Um, actually, when we went to Hong Kong once, I did, I did point out a couple spots. Um, there's the scene in Bloodsport where he's... Uh, at the so-called East Lake Hotel in Chim Sa Choi, mm-hmm. uh, which is basically near the p- peninsula. 
and uh, the the two guys, you know, Forrest Whitaker, and then the other guy who are chasing him all over Hong Kong. The, yeah. the, uh, they 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 capture him, and then you know Jackson kind of runs them over, and then Jean Claude Van Damme runs, and then they're basically chasing him through the streets of Hong Kong. Well, if you know Hong Kong, you realize that that is an impossible street chase <laughs> because basically Jean Claude Van Damme uh, runs across Nathan Road. All right. And then he's like going through some, a couple side streets uh-huh. of uh, and then he of, ends up of way Jim South Joy. Town. No, not even across town. He ends up from you know because Nathan Road and Jim South Joy is on the Kowloon side. Yeah. At the end, remember he's walking on those boats and then they're fo- following him and then they fall into the water. Okay. All right. That's on the Hong Kong Island side. Oh wow! Dude. So he literally goes from Kowloon, and then suddenly he's on the swam? other side of the harbor, <laughs> and, and then so like I'll, I'll point some he of that stuff out. Dry, but the um, I can't actually take you to the place where the underground tournament was because that place does not exist it's anymore. Does not exist. So uh, uh, the interest of Bloodsport. Okay, so I'm going to gush a little bit about Bloodsport, right? Uh, I still think it's one of Van Damme's best. Yeah. Um, just because of the whole mystique of it and everything like that. Um. But the the Kumite tournament is supposed to be held at the Kowloon Walled City, Kowloon mm. Sengtai. Right, Kowloon Sengtai is, is was a real place. Yes. It does not exist anymore. You told me about this yeah, place. dude. This is the craziest thing. All right, there was like a portion of land in. So remember, Hong Kong was a British colony. It was run by by uh, one of him, by one of them colonialists over there. Right. Uh-huh. Hey, 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 hey. What? Take it easy. All right. <laughs> And so, but there was like a section of Hong Kong near Kowloon City that like this plot of land, let's call it like, I I don't remember the exact uh, area, but let's say it's a few square acres or Mm. whatever, right? Uh, A big chunk of land that's in the British territory that is not owned by the Brits. It's still owned by China. Okay. Okay, but it's like in the middle of a part of Hong Kong. So this is like a territory that uh, for historical reasons, for whatever, like that belongs to China. But because China could not go into Hong Kong and do anything on this little plot of land, that area became a no man's land by which Hong Kong police had no jurisdiction over this plot of land. Wow. Okay, and if you do not know what the Kowloon Walled City is, do yourself a favor after you finish watching this yeah. episode. Go on Google, type in Kowloon, K-O-W-L-O-O-N, uh-huh. walled, W-A-L-L-E-D, city. Kowloon walled city. Wow. And look up photos of this place. It's <laughs> unbelievable. Because this plot of land was essentially outside of Hong Kong jurisdiction. What they did was they built one massive illegal structure on top of illegal structure when you see this thing it is a wonder that this thing did not fall down (laughs) it just looks like like they just built buildings on top of buildings nothing is built to code okay everything is stacked on top of each other inside it's all dingy and Uh. you know it's like the pipes are old and there are rats in there and stuff like this and because it was essentially a no man's land hong kong police did not go in there so it was a den of illicit activity. Wow. Um, heroin dealers and triads. And there were a lot of legit businesses in there. Yeah. Okay. Um, noodle makers and things like that. And oh, people right. who lived there. And, they, and when you see the photos of how people lived in Kowloon Walled City, tiny, tiny rooms. 
dripping in water and gross and piled on top of each other and three people in a room that can barely fit one person. It's unbelievable. It's like, it's, it's really amazing. Like that people could even live there. And it was, it was, I mean, there's stories like, um, where, you know, cops are chasing, um, criminals by foot. And, and they, they run, run into in Kowloon Walled City and the cops are like, all right, I'm done. And walk the other way. They're not going in there. Because the moment they go in there, whatever happens to them, it doesn't matter. Uh, all right? So uh, this was a wild place. Okay? And in the, I believe it was in the 90s, <laughs> they eventually tore it down. They eventually came to some agreement with China. Like, hey, come on. <laughs> Give us this. This land is literally on Hong Kong property. Like, let us just have it. Right? And they had to get all of those people out. And there were so many people living in there. You, wow. When you see what this thing looked like, you're, you're going to be blown away. Yeah. And they even have like online, they, there's some on YouTube, there are a couple documentaries. There's one German documentary where they actually went into the Kowloon Walled City and it has English subtitles. And you see, it'll blow your mind that people could even live this. in there. Because it became a city inside the city. The thing is like multiple city blocks wide uh -huh. and you could just keep going in and there's no sunlight coming in. You're just inside a structure built on top of a structure built on top of a structure and there's like what? ratty little crappy fluorescent lights in there and it's weird. And um, uh, one of the things they did there was uh, dentists from China, from uh -huh. mainland China who didn't have a license to practice in Hong Kong. Yeah. They were going to Kowloon Walled City and you could and go into Kowloon Walled City to get illegal dentistry. If you wow. needed a tooth pulled and you didn't want to pay like a real dentist, you yeah. went to the Kowloon Walled City and there was some guy who got dental training in China Whoa. and he'll pull your teeth out. <laughs> All right, so it was a wild, wild place. And this, this was torn down before you got to go to Yeah, Hong Kong. I think it was torn down. I could be mistaken. It's been a while since I looked it up. I think it was torn down in the early to mid 90s. Mm -hmm. So I think it was even torn down before I went to Hong Kong for the first time in 96. I think it was not even around anymore. And now that's all that's left where Kowloon Walled City was is a little park like kind of commemorating it, right? Whoa. But the Hong Kong government, they kicked all of those people out of the Kowloon Walled City and uh -huh. they relocated them. They gave them government housing. And they said, nah, now they'll have a place to live. They got them out of there. I mean, like... And because they so literally they really kick them out. They, they displaced, just escorted yeah. them into a better living. Well, the thing is, it was it was situation. totally unsafe. That thing was going to collapse on itself on uh, any given day, right? It was very, really wild. Sounds very Blade Runner. Yeah, you have to see photos of this thing from from above, like the aerial photos of it. It's unbelievable. I gotta, it just doesn't even I seem see this So here's the crazy thing. Yeah. All right. Bloodsport. <laughs> all right, is I believe the only Hollywood film to actually go to the Kowloon Walled City when. Um, when his uh, when when the, their their Chinese escort uh, Lin or whatever Victor Lin Lin Mr. Yeah. Lin right, he's like all right guys we're about to take there's an invisible barrier to mainland China right and he explains the history of the Kowloon Walled City and what he says is actually true, and where he's walking with Jackson and Van Dam they're walking side, along the actual Kowloon Walled City, and then you know they go to the entrance and the guy goes okay USA right, <laughs> and then they walk into the tunnels. And you see them walking into, not tunnels, the hallways. Yeah. That footage where they're going down those dingy hallways was the real Kowloon Walled City. So the crazy thing is Bloodsport, as crazy and hokey as people look at that movie, that's one of the only times you could see on film people actually wow. going into the Kowloon Walled City where you're walking down and you see the rats and all that stuff. All of that was actually the Kowloon Walled City. Now, when you walk in there and then you see the big door to go into the Kumite Hall, that was a set. 
All right, because there was no place inside. The crazy thing is there was no place in the Kowloon walled city where you would have enough space to have where they held the Kumite. Okay. Because everything is just built and stacked yeah. on top of it, right? So that part was fictitious. <laughs> so when you see they're like in front of the doors and they walk up and they go into the Kumite hall, that is a set. <laughs> All right, but when they're walking down the hallways and going in there, that is actually the Kowloon walled city. The so, real Kowloon walled city. So it's possible Frank Dukes really did have Kumites in this place that... Existed you, you, there would in, be no space to have a kumite in the Kowloon Walled City. Yeah, yeah. It would be like so. those Russian videos where they put two people in a in a telephone booth and they uh, punch the shit oh, out of each yes. other, right? Oh yeah. Okay, that that would be um. That is yes. Awesome. That that would be what the kumite would look like at the <laughs> Kowloon Walled City. Yeah, more or less. What do you think right? about those videos, by the way? Oh, those videos are crazy, man. <laughs> those videos are crazy. But yeah, I mean, look, when I take the group to Hong Kong, yeah. when we're in. Tim Choi, especially by, by Chungking Mansions. I'll be like, okay, this is where Van Damme ran across the street when mm -hmm. he was being chased. And then like later when we're on the Hong Kong Island side, I'll be like, and this is where he ended up at the end of that, that road race, right? Okay. And uh, besides that, uh, another place people want me to take them on the tour is where Van Damme did the splits in, uh, above the city. You know that where he's there, like you know, when he's all sad about Jackson and stuff like that. That's actually on the way to the uh, Victoria Peak. All right. So um, I, I can't, we can go by there. But I think the slab where he actually did the split on, I don't think that's there. I think they put that there just for the movie. But that outlook is there. And the view of Hong Kong is way cooler now. There are way more buildings. So people, if you have booked already and you have not seen Bloodsport yet, they should watch, watch Bloodsport. Yeah. yeah. You should watch Bloodsport. Or if you haven't you watched it in a long time, like myself, yeah. watch it again. You should absolutely watch Bloodsport because it's basically wrong and you're a bad person if you haven't. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, and then who person. knows? Maybe this time when we go to Hong Kong, we'll run into Jean-Claude Van Damme again. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hopefully this time, maybe it'll be a little time. bit different. Yeah. Don't worry. yeah maybe he'll go, maybe this time, instead of maybe next time. <laughs> I mean, just didn't like you guys. If, if I was there, he would have talked to me. Yeah, I'm sure he would have talked. I don't, sure, I don't think yeah, he was in the yeah, States yeah. to talk to anyone. Oh, I mean, All right. So let's, uh, let's go to the next one. Okay. Hey, Kung Fu Genius listeners. If you're looking for an easy way to support this podcast, please consider joining the Kung Fu Genius Patreon. You can support for as little as $5 a month and get access to episodes a few days early. Higher levels of support get additional goodies, exclusive content, and even your name in the description. The baller level of support will give you the opportunity to be a Dre for a day and give me a rest from this guy over here. A link for the Kung Fu Genius Patreon page is in the description below. You can also support us by subscribing to the Kung Fu Genius on YouTube, liking this video, and sharing it on your social media platforms. When you subscribe on YouTube, don't forget to hit that bell for notifications so you will know as soon as a new episode or a premiere is available for you to watch. For those of us who listen to us on audio, it's a huge help if you don't just rate the podcast, but also write a review wherever you listen to the Kung Fu Genius, such as Apple or Google Podcasts. I really appreciate it. And now back to me. Next up, we got JP Steve's Hannah 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 Handstand. <laughs> you know, Hannah Hannah Handstand. He's okay. one of our top commenters. Right? Yeah. You should figure out his you name. Really I, should speak out. I should know it by now. Yeah. I think I got it. He always has great Finally. questions. Yeah. Sifu, another question for your next Q&A session. This is how you know we're in New York, by the way. You hear that background? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. they're coming for Dre. That's a... That's a 5 p.m. a Saturday in Midtown Manhattan oh right there. All oh right. We live in a circus oh. here. Oh my God. Something interesting happened at work, but I don't even want to talk about it. Oh, you're here. Uh, you, you guys sent me that text, which everyone was reposting. 
from like those apps that track the crime that there was a dude in a ninja suit yo, with yes. a samurai sword who attacked yo, someone downtown, amazing. right? Yeah. Only in what? New York, man. I posted that on my IG stories, man. Oh, I didn't get to post it. With the Alicia I Keys totally New wanted. York song playing. <laughs> <laughs> Concrete jungle where dreams are made, yeah. where you can oh, yes. attack someone with a samurai sword yeah. while you're wearing a ninja suit. Well, yeah, what well, was the, crazy was the progression of the news and what was happening, yeah. you know, and then finally like, Oh, this guy was in a ninja outfit, by yeah, the way. Yeah, of course. Because what, <laughs> yes. what else would he be wearing? Yeah, so KFG, how much is your bail for that? Yeah. <laughs> it's all the yeah. Patreon funds. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> You're probably familiar with this story. I read that when Bruce was starting to become a star in Hong Kong, some guy literally climbed over the fence of Bruce's property and was calling him out on the front yard with the intent of fighting him. He apparently wanted f to find out if Bruce was legit or not. Bruce, understand uh, sorry, sorry. Bruce was understandably infuriated by this and I'm, allegedly- I'm infuriated by the way he's reading this question. Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> of course, it's infuriating. Oh, wow. And allegedly kicked the guy as hard as he could. But I don't remember the article mentioning the aftermath of this incident. How badly was the guy injured? Did Bruce press charges for breaking and entering? Any insight on this matter would be appreciated. Thanks in advance. Yeah, I, I actually saw this question in the comments and I wanted yeah. to do some research before I answered Ooh. it. I remember this story. Um, uh, Matt Polly mentions it in his book. And I think um, the source is might be from either Alex Ben Block's book or it could be Linda Lee's first book. Okay. So, um, yeah, I heard the story and I believe that they was at the Kowloon Tong home where I took you. Uh, someone jumped over that fence and while he was in the guard. Cumberland Road. 41 Cumberland Road. <laughs> All right. Jesus Christ. This is 38 Cumberland Sausages. Yes. Uh, what the heck, man? What Cumberland Sausages. Uh, yeah, so I, I remember you in the story, um, but uh, I would actually have to look it up. Um, we're going to do an interview with Steve Carriage, and yeah. I think uh, that's a good question for him because he, yeah. he knows a lot of that kind of stuff. Okay. So I, I will, um, I'll ask him, and then I can also look it up. But I mean, I heard the story, but I don't know. The um, I, I would have to maybe, uh, uh, I, I have a... Um, I, Hong Kong Library Online. Mm -hmm. uh, you can, if you if you go there, you can actually they have a periodical. Um, uh, like you can research periodicals, newspapers, right. and, and magazines and stuff. It's obviously, all in Chinese, but you can put in Chinese keywords. And I've done that like with Yip Man, oh. which is really interesting. You, you put in date ranges, and so I would put in like Yip Man from like 1960 to 1972. Oh. Okay, or 1950 to 1972. So basically the whole time he was teaching, right? So then what's going to come up are all the newspaper articles that mention Yip Man during his lifetime. Mm. And so I looked up that. It, was, it wasn't too many, but there were a few. And just different articles mentioning Yip Man and, and stuff like that. And then uh, cool. I did the same thing with Bruce Lee. And that's where I saw all like the Lao Tai Chun cha challenging Bruce Lee stuff. That stuff was really in the newspapers. Mm -hmm. um, so I Maybe can that's imagine. What, uh, that's what Beardy should do. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. no, Beardy knows all this stuff. People, oh, he knows people it contact him. Do you remember how he gets his information? Yeah. People send him emails and wait, contact. Wait a minute, him. You, you didn't. This isn't the Hong Kong Library or the Chinese Library, is it? It's it's his archive. Yeah. Okay. That's so I'm not really looking. I'm just asking Beardy because he is the world's foremost expert on Bruce Lee. Okay. So uh, I probably could actually just look up Bruce Lee 
in that date range yeah. and see. There should be a art. I mean, if the story was here, I can imagine that the newspaper reported on it. So that would probably be the place to go. But I would need, I would need to come back to this question. Yeah. And I think I mentioned in the comments, which is why you need to get better at reading them. If you, if you read the comment, you'll see underneath, I said, that's great. I'm going to have to do some research on this one before I get back to you. Oh, man. <laughs> You're oh. expecting a little too much. Yeah, I'm expecting a little too much of Dre. I right. mean, look, look, you can't even make deeper. it in on any other day other than the Saturday morning. <laughs> that's a bit much. Yeah. You know what I mean? Instead of that one Why layer, go a little deeper in the layers. All right, Deaver. Let's go. Easy, man. See? You are the Pretty move. fly. 37 years old in a karate class. <laughs> Pretty fly for a Filipino guy is a question. All yeah, right. Love his questions. Doing my forms along with the in the air tonight has an explicitly 10 times my WC. It's golden if you get to the dummy form by the time the drums wow. come in. You yes. know what? I, I'm going to... I'm taking it all back. Yes. So if you guys don't know what we're talking about, about two episodes ago, or yeah, two yeah. episodes ago, yeah. uh, we found out that uh, Mikey Dean, our beloved producer and audio guy, mm -hmm. even though he's a Brit, yeah. absolutely hates Phil Collins it's and so Genesis. Strange. British people hate Phil Collins and Genesis. It's a thing. It's we also hate Benny Hill. Oh, wow. I love Benny Hill. You know, it was every time I grew he, up on Benny Hill. Yeah, every time he says this kind of stuff, yeah. we get Brits in the comments yeah. who don't agree with him, right? Like, you know, oh, he goes, he he gave so zero funny. shits yeah. about the Queen dying, right? Yeah. And then like there were comments saying like, no, no, any How any dare you? any real Brit actually does care about the royal family, like no, trying to correct him. Yeah, you, you see, the problem is he's been in America too long. All right. Yeah. Which is funny because a lot of Americans are totally enamored with the royal family, right? Yeah, and it's yeah. like, no, I don't think like, no, that's literally Mikey Dean. It's, it's, he's he all punk rock. Americanos. That's so American. Yeah. When in him. Rome, or rather, when in America, you drink Americano. Wow. What in the hell. So I yeah, so him not liking this. Phil Collins and Genesis, I guarantee you, we're gonna get a bunch of our UK yeah. followers going like, no, everyone in the UK oh, loves Phil. You know what? Those people love? are definitely not from the UK. <laughs> you know what I would love to see? <laughs> I would I would love to see Mikey Dean standing next to Mike Tyson during that song playing in the air tonight, and then drums come in. And seeing Mike Tyson goes, because he loves yeah. that song. Right, right. And, and Mikey Dean would be so, so yeah. terrified by Mike Tyson, he would have to pretend that he liked the song. So he would be in a situation. Because like if he was yeah. just there, like, oh, now yeah. I don't like this. And then Mike Tyson looked yeah. at him and was like, what do you, what do you mean? You don't You're like this? Yeah. This is the best part coming up. <laughs> this is the best part. Why do you, why do you sound like Tito Jackson? You sound like Tito Jackson. No. All right. I just, as far as that's concerned, we've all got to die sometime. Yes. If that's the hill, I'm going to die. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I think if Mike Tyson were next to him, Mike Tyson was totally feeling yeah. in the air tonight. Yeah. I think this dude would pretend he was into it too. And, and, you know, and you know how he'd kill me if I'd say it? If yeah. I said it before the drum roll, he'd just punch me <laughs> the drum roll. <laughs> so there you go. All right. <laughs> so anyway, thanks Lenny for bringing up that, uh, yes. that comment. Yeah. Thanks Thank you, much. Pretty Fly. All right, next up we got TK. Really interesting episode with the team in the Stew Stew Studio. <laughs> <laughs> 
I am no longer in the land of confusion. It is not easy to talk about your past mistakes so openly. Well done. It shows great maturity. Q. What things would you look out for when buying a pair of metal butterfly knives? Oh, good question. Uh, God, do I get to be a total... That's a great question. Do I get to be a total Wing Chun snob now? Yes. Okay. When to choose your words wisely. When have you not when, been? Yeah, exactly. When have you not been? A witch? <laughs> when have I not been a wingshot? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Wingshot snob, party of one. All right. <laughs> Uh, so we don't call them butterfly swords in Wing Chun, mm-hmm. all right? or we shouldn't, okay? Wu Dip Do, Wu Dip Do is actually not the name of the type of knife we use in Wing Chun. The, the shape is a little bit different. In Hong Kun, they use the Wu Dip Do, right? Mm-hmm. Which is the, the butterfly swords, right? In Wing Chun, it's a bit controversial because the term Ba Chang Do doesn't really have much history outside of the Yip Man family. Oh, right. So that's why it's highly speculated that Yip Man most likely created the knife form himself. And when I say that, there's a whole ultra conservative faction within the Yip Man family, which gets their panties in a twist when you say something like that. Damn. But uh, the burden of proof is Everyone's on them. Everyone's wearing panties. Everyone's wearing panties. The, but the burden of proof is on them, okay? Where, where do you find the knife techniques called though predating the Yip Man lineage. You don't, okay? So most likely Grandmaster Yip Man developed them himself or took inspiration from another type of knife form and created them, So, which is fine. I mean, ultimately, every knife form at some point was created by some dude, right? Yeah. Does it, does it matter if one dude is in recent memory or the other dude is so old there's no photos of them existing? Does that give the knife form more cred, right? I would argue, I, I would rather know uh, have a photo of the person who designed the stuff i'm doing because at yeah. least it would make them more I contemporary what form this chamber street ninja used yeah i'm sure with the samurai yeah sword. The fuck you yeah ninja right. with a samurai sword yes how, how do you yeah no yeah yeah How's wrong that? katana bro <laughs> all right wrong you have to have sword, the ninja bro. toe not yeah. the katana yeah all right he, he didn't have the, the yeah. right though yeah he was probably using okinawan size too uh, instead of a jute i mean uh, what an amateur man what an amateur very specific yes uh very pacific about this so um <laughs> so in wing chun we don't actually use butterfly knives they, they we, we don't, they're not they shouldn't be called that because they e- they either some some wing chun sivo actually called the type of knife we use the batam though so they they, they name the type of knife is the same name is the form or the group of techniques that we do mm-hmm. and others call it uh means the bao means to cover Zhang is elbow Dou is knife so it means the elbow that goes uh, the, the, sorry the knife that goes at least to your elbow mm-hmm. all right so that's why when you flip the blades although we don't necessarily flip the blades in in the form the knife should go at least to the tip of your elbow or maybe a little bit past so it's supposed to cover the elbow all right, right. and that's the name of it. it's literally the cover elbow knives Bao Zhang Dou, Bao Zhang Dou is the, the, the name of the knife that we use, right? So um, there are two schools of thought with Wing Chun knives. There's a faction that likes knives that are a little bit more like stabbers. So the, the, the blade is not as wide. It's a little more straight, a little more pointy at the end, and has usually a tighter hook and flatter guard. All right, mm-hmm. and sometimes the bottom is flat like this too, like the Leung knives, for example. Um, and those are the so-called stabbers. All right, and then you have some that kind of widen at the end. All right, so the, they they have a little more heft and and the weight is is more towards the end of the knife, 
And those are called choppers. And they usually have a round guard and usually a bigger hook at the end. All right. And uh, wow. there, there's a big, like, you're either, like, team stabber or team chopper. Okay. And I know Wing Chun Sifus that are, like, either on one side or the other. And I don't know. If you know any, I mean, like, if people have been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, you probably can guess that I'm, like thinking that you have to die on a hill of whether the knives should be stabbers or choppers is kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, you should use the one that you like, and arguably I would say that you should use both. Like, so if you look back over there on, on, on the dummy there, we have both choppers and stabbers hanging there, yeah. okay? And when you practice the patam, those techniques, all right, either the form or sparring, or you do your applications with a partner, or however, however you practice it. You will do it differently if the knives in your hands are stabbers than if they are choppers. The heft is different, the way you move with them is different, and they will force you to make little adaptations to the way you do the form and the way you do the applications. And just like kind of talking about the, the martial art and your body type, all right? You kind of put the knives in your hands mm-hmm. and they got to sing to you, man. All right. I mean, like if there's anything that's clear in the kind of the way I view, you know, if people are happy with the martial art they do, they should just be happy. Right. So you put the knives in your hands and you go, is this it? All right. Is this, is this what I like? Right. And then you go and you get those right now, of course, it also depends on what your Sifu tells you. I mean, if your Sifu is partial to stabbers, and that's the knives they prefer to teach you. And well, then learn the form with the knives that your Sifu tells you to, to do them with. Because well, one, they're your Sifu. And two, what they're going to teach you is optimized for that type of knife because that's their preference. And then once you practice that, you internalize it, then try it with other knives and see if you like it better or you don't think it's as good. Right. And then see what ad- adaptations you have to make. So um, you have to, there's a little bit of feel and there's a lot of personal preference involved in which type of knives you like, right? I personally like the knives made by Buick Yip uh, for everything Wing Chun. Uh, I've also met Buick Yip. He's a lovely, lovely person. He does good quality work. Um, Usually with the Buick Yip knives, uh, because they have like a, a, a nice wood handle, I like to put tennis grips. You can go to a sports store and get those tennis wraps. All right. And I like to put tennis grips on the bacham dough so that you can squeeze them a little bit. And you have grip, but you can still kind of move them within your hand so there's some play. Mm-hmm. I like it better than the wood because when you get sweaty, the wood gets really slippy. All right. So uh, usually, usually whatever type of batam dough you end up getting, the handles are usually not great. The Lengting handles, like the wrapping he puts on this, like pure trash. It's like this nasty cord that digs into your hand, right? Ah. And uh, you're better off just putting electrical tape on there for, for a grip than what comes with those things. And a lot of times they'll have like the wrapped ones that go this way here. And oftentimes if you, you get some like cheap knives from China, the, the stuff starts unwrapping while you're doing it, right? So like I, I'm of the opinion, whatever knives you get, take if they don't have wrapping or they have wrapping, put uh, tennis grips on them. Just go to a sports store, get tennis grips, put them nice wow. and tight, put a little tape on both ends, keep it tight, and then keep it tight, the, 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 keep it tight all right? Um, the tennis grips will wear out. If you practice with them regularly, like I, I have to change the grips on my knives at least once a year, okay. sometimes twice a year, depending on how much I'm training or how much I'm teaching. Oh. I mean, I have a few different knives. I don't always use the same ones, but usually about once or twice a year, I, I have to replace the grips because you just start, especially when you're doing duck dough and all those movements, like it, it just starts, it just starts to rub a little bit and then say, yeah, you have to replace it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I would recommend the Buick Yip choppers 
from uh, everything Wing Chun. Those are, those are pretty badass. All right? Yeah. Damn. All right, time for one more? Uh, you know what I have? I don't know what you have. I have actually something I wanted to try out. It's a new segment. That a new segment? Have. Oh, we're doing segments yeah. now? What we are we going to do? Skits? Yeah. A so monologue. At you. Should so I have a monologue at the beginning of every episode? See what you think. All right, Vignette. we'll see what I think. Yeah. All right. Try it out. Try right. it on. See okay. how it fits. So, drug letter video comment of the day. Oh Jesus! Are you kidding me? Okay. So as, remember as, that video you made? Drug yes, letters. Yes, I remember that video. It's still the number one video on our channel. How? how the is the it Bruce still Lee drug one? letters. Yeah, it's the only one. People, it doesn't have. Uh, there are other people who did drug letter videos, like Golden Bell did it after yeah. mine. They have way, way, way more views than ours. But for our channel, it's, it's got, got like the most. Beardy numbers? No, no, no. It's got. It's like one of Beardy's smaller videos. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, but it's, it's still the biggest one on our channel. Oh, right. it's like when I just basically read the drug letters, right? Jeez. Um, but dude, the comments I get on there are crazy. Oh, it it's like borderline, awesome. like. Like people think the, the number of people who think I'm, I'm just making them up yeah. as I go along, like Beardy style is ridiculous. It's like, dude, <laughs> the Bruce Lee drug letters were sold I can at, dude, at the Heritage Auction House oh, okay, wow. here in New York. Yeah. Sounds every like time, a made up place. Every time I drive we home, we drive past yeah, the Heritage Auction. Yes. Like I, yes. I go, yo, that's a place that's sold the Bruce yes. Lee drug letters, right? Right, right. They're a huge auction house here in Manhattan. They have to authentic. They can't be selling fake shit Pretty like legit, that. that place, right? And and you know, but there's this thing like people because people do no research. They watch a video and go, "Oh, he's just making it up or whatever," because they don't want it to be true. And they haven't done enough research to understand that. Yeah, it's because we all knew that Bob Baker was Bruce Lee's drug dealer, but we right. everyone just thought it was just weed. Weed. So when we found Ash. out it was so when, but that's what the real Bruce Lee fans already knew. Okay. So when we found out, oh no no no, it was way worse. It wasn't this huge leap for us because we already knew that Bob Baker was some kind of drug dealer for Bruce Lee. It was just we did not know the extent, the LSD, the cocaine, all that kind of stuff, right? And then we found out, it was like, oh, and then we saw the letters, oh, this kind of explains a lot. But it wasn't this huge jump. But there are people that don't know jack shit about Bruce Lee. Damn. And just think that you're trying to, like, assassinate his character, right? So the comments I get on there, like, if there's a batshit crazy all caps comment. Okay. Because, you know, on my um, YouTube app, it just shows the comments in the order they come in, and it just tells you what video it belongs to, right? So... Whenever I see, oh, when I, whenever shit. I open the app and I see just some crazy all caps word salad of hot nonsense, I'm like drug letters. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a drug letters comment. I need access to this app. No, you don't. Yes. Cool. No, no, it doesn't make your life better. I no. I turn the notifications off oh. because like. You know, I'll check it like once or twice a day. I'll like all the relevant comments and then I'll just look at some hot nonsense. And be yeah. Like, What is this? And then if there's just someone who's being abusive or just being a troll, I'll just get rid of them, whatever. Right. Uh, and the drug letters ones, I just leave them because I just like whatever. Just let yeah. let the, let those comments be a steaming cesspool of, <laughs> of, of human worthlessness. Yeah, which is why we need to have one a week. Yeah. Okay, so now you, what, you're going to read one of the comments? I'm going to read... Is it a question? What is it? A comment from a Wilda Rodriguez. Wilda Rodriguez. Yes. Excited to hear it. All right, are you ready? You probably read it already. You have, probably haven't. It's probably fresh I probably new. just saw the all caps and then glanced over it. Okay. But I probably liked it because I just like it so that it goes off my notifications. That's a lot of crock. You should be ashamed of yourself. Master Bruce Lee never did such things. Bob Baker lied. Oh, wait, let me. Bob Baker 
comma, lied and so did his friend. They are liars, cutthroats, cowards, hypocrites. 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 Okay. You know what? You know what Bruce Lee also never Hippocrips. did. You know what Bruce Lee also never did. What? Referred to himself as master. Yes. And that's all I gotta say about that. All right, everyone. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Kung Fu Genius. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Kung Fu Genius. Hit that bell for notifications. And if you have any questions for me on a future episode, just put them in the comments below. And I'll see you guys next time. Word is I'm a Kung Fu Genius. Technique speaks for me, not lineage. Forget Jet Li, cause I'm the one. Many call me Sifu, but to you I'm Si Kung. And I produce masters. You surpassed us. Your Kung Fu stiffer than corpse and caskets. City Wing Chung is the house I built. Violate the gate and your blood gets spilt. Alex Richter, always the victor. All right, here we go. This is episode Who Gives a f uh, Andrew, you might need to edit this, because uh, Dre's memory is uh, much like a mammary gland. All right, everyone. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Kung Fu Genius as I see you fucking looking down. Why is he looking down? No, he's looking down in a way like he, I, I see that fucking Paddington Bear beard. You know, the funny thing is, is I just looked down because I was like, I know you're going to fucking. Don't forget to subscribe to the Kung Fu Genius. Hit that bell for notifications. Judge kill both of you. I just got to keep it together. I got to get home. I got to get this. home. You got this. There's no place like home. I've home. been at City Wing Chun for like 10 hours. I can feel it. All right, you guys both turn around. Fine. Turn around. Fine. Turn around. Turn around. I don't want to see your face. Every now and then I got a little bit. You know what? You know what I love? No one knows the words beyond that part. Dre, I will rip you when it's time to do the intro. Yo, I see you laughing, you sons of bitch. Mikey Dean, is that focus? The, is focus. That the cord right Quiet. There? That's yeah, funny. it's the AC, the cable. AC yeah. cable. And thanks for interrupting me now with that hot night. Yes, the AC cable is the charging cable he couldn't find earlier today. Thank you, Sherlock Dryson. <laughs> I'm gonna kill you guys. I'm gonna murder you guys. Ha! Ha! Get the giggles out. Get the giggles out. Okay. I see you. Don't look in there. I see you. Don't be looking in the Yip Man poster reflection. <laughs> All right. Dre, I see you. You're not coming to Hong Kong. I almost fucking oh lost God, it. Yeah, you were there. I almost I lost like, it. So if you had like WT, <laughs> you know, um, tattooed on each butt cheek. Like Wing Chun. What? That's that BB King joke repurposed. <laughs> <laughs> all right, peeps. On today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering all sorts of hot nonsense. Okay, you know what? Stop. Right? Like, you are literally speaking across the microphone like you forgot that one really important thing. <laughs> That's right. The microphone is here and he's like, All right, peeps, on today's episode of the, <laughs> the Microphone Genius. <laughs> the Microphone oh Genius. Oh, all right, peeps. All right, peeps. <laughs> on today's episode of the... looks like Mr. Ed. Kung Fu Genius. Yeah. You, know, you know the horse Mr. Ed? They oh, made him talk? Absolutely, I'm Mr. Ed. Yeah, they put the peanut butter in his lips. That's how he moved his mouth. Thought it was a bag of all right peeps on today's episode of the kung fu genius the genius will be answering all sorts of hot nonsense what the f what the f what was that what was that drake you were literally laughing while i was doing mine okay i just craned my neck and why are you crane your neck like that i'm not to crane your neck let's go
Why? New York City? Lots of gyms, lots of liars, cutthroats, cowards, and crippa crippa cut. All right, peoples. <laughs> I wanna go home. All right, pupils. I wanna go home. Lots of gems, lots of liars, cowards, crip, crip, Kryptonians? Uh, Kryptonians. <laughs> and with that, we are done. Yeah! <laughs>